Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition, brought to you by the Kingston Group and the Pharmacy, our two great and amazing local sponsors. My name is Braden Gall. His name is Zach Lyons. And you can follow him on Twitter at FWordsPod. You can subscribe to his Substack, stackingtheinbox.com. And please jump into the comments here on the YouTube, Facebook, Twitter page. And if you've got any questions, we got a, and I know you like this word, Zach, a robust show for you folks out there. You, you do. Fans, you you pro and college football fans, robust, robust today on the show. Lots of stuff to do. We've got uh, Anthony Richardson hype, I guess, going out of control. We've got which positions Zach is watching throughout the course of the weekend, which positions are most important, of course. Um, and then we've got a debate about positional value on the field due to future success, largely based around Jeffrey Simmons and the franchise quarterback in terms of what Titans fans should value uh, moving forward in terms of success. Uh, Rand Carthon says they're open for business. What does that mean? And what do we like about some of those potential strat- strategic options for the Tennessee Titans? Uh, and then a, a fun debate that I know you can't wait for because I know you love. There's there's two things I feel like you love more than everything else, Zach. And that is contract conversations and analytics conversations. I feel like those are two of your favorite topics. Am I correct on that? I, I w- would say definitely I love off-season hype or off-season Basically, anything that has to do with the offseason, I like. So whether that is the combine, the draft, you know, the draft and I would I would say the draft and uh, free agency are above analytics. But okay, analytics okay, is, 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 is up there. But analytics is also baked fully into the draft and the combine uh, in full force. And if you'd like some analytics in your inbox, Zach's giving you some data that you can use, some tools that you can use to follow along the combine and the draft process. So again, stacking the inbox. Dot com And again, Tim Kelly, uh, Mike Vrabel, Rand Carthon, all speaking, of course, this week at the press conference. I know you guys, uh, you and Mike Herndon spent a lot of time on football and other efforts. Check out that show talking about the press conferences and the conversations. I don't know how much there was said there, but we'll, we'll get into that. And if you got questions and comments, please jump into the comment section um, for sure, please. Uh, I have no idea, Stoney, what you're talking about, but please uh, give us some give us some questions. If you got any of those, we'll get to those. Uh, as we move along today in the program, uh, Jalen Carter. Though, oh, and however, he's talking about uh, this guy. Oh, oh, is that is that uh, those are uh, pop, Fungo Macho Pops? Man or? Funko Pop. Apparently, Fungo Pop. value of three hundred and thirty dollars according to a Pop Price Guide. Does it need to be? Uh, in a- I am. I, I don't know how much it is out of the box, Stony. But if it's if it's anywhere above thirty dollars, let me know, and it will sell this sucker. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Does it matter if it's in the box or not? It sounds like it. It does. Uh, Fitzy, my old co-host, has a ton of those things. He's like uh, got me started on it. Adam Sparks of the Tennessee, or formerly of the Tennessee, and now up in Knoxville. Great Vanderbilt beat writer, now covering Tennessee. Good friend of the pod. He has like a, a gazillion of them, like in his office. I, I I've never been into it, but they're cool. I like them. I don't. I've got a. I've got like a an old well, like uh, bobblehead back here. Stony just I can make a cool hundred off the the Joker that's at, uh, somewhere around here that's out of dude. the box, and I'm like, dude, I'll I'll sell them. I ain't got no emotional <laughs> attachment to this. Yeah. You're sitting on a gold mine there. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of sitting on a gold mine and potentially screwing it all up, uh, Jalen Carter, and I don't, we don't need to get into too many specifics here. He is unquestionably the, the probably the best prospect in the draft. Uh, maybe you could argue a couple of other guys, but basically he's the most proven pro ready player at any position. Um, if somebody's at number one with that, that doesn't need a quarterback. Jalen Carter is clearly probably the option at number one. Uh, you guys know the story, arrest warrant, two misdemeanors, flies back, leaves the combine, the whole deal. Um, the question I have is, does it affect his draft stock, the entire situation? I think there's a path forward for him. And do the Titans consider him if he falls to 11, even if I think that is extremely unlikely? Yeah, so I I, I agree with you. It's extremely unlikely that he's going to be there at 11. Uh, I would also say that we're talking, if you're if you're talking whether he's going to go number one or not. I mean, wasn't he already not going to go number one because the bears are more than likely going to trade at him. The bears stay put. Uh, I'll say this. It affects his draft stock in, in a way that probably nobody's really talking about is the fact that there could have been a team willing to trade up for Jalen Carter. Okay. So nobody's thinking about that now. Now, I don't think that's as likely. So that kind of hurts his draft stock in that situation. But if you're talking about a guy that is probably not going to go number one overall, unless the Bears, for whatever reason, don't find a trade partner, I don't think it's – you're still talking about a guy that's probably going to be the second or third, the first player that's non-quarterback off the board. 
it may allow Will Anderson to creep in over him. And that is, but that's about it. There, then we're not talking like Lucas Van Ness is going to jump him, Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky. He's Chris, this, Christian they, Gonzalez is not going ahead of. Yeah, this is not a Laramie Tunsil free fall, an Aaron Rodgers free fall. Now, we'll say that if you have not read the Sports Illustrated column by Albert Brewer that came out today, you know, it's been alluded to all offseason that Jalen Carter has character concerns. None of those character concerns were tied to this incident, and none of those character concerns are related to criminal incidents. They are related to essentially an air of laziness when it comes to his approach to the game. He's great on game day. He's all in, and he has this natural ability, so his effort in practices aren't necessarily there, according to reports from both AFC execs, NFC execs, scouts, et cetera, et cetera. If, if you start talking about how much does he love ball, which we know the Titans have already used, we want guys who love ball, right? If, we, if, if we're talking about a Georgia player with – car driving issues late at night with guys who do, like you're going to give them PTSD right out of the gate. Now the, I will say this athletically on the field, the difference between Isaiah Wilson and Jalen Carter's night and day, oh, night one, day. one of them is a project projection and the other one is a pr- I, proven commodity. I think they're night and day off the field. I like, we, we don't know really <laughs> the whole story, but let's, let's be honest here. I don't think that Jalen Carter has some weird lean addiction, headspace going to jump off a balcony. I think he's a young guy that's done some stupid stuff that we've all done. And it it resulted in ultimately the incident in the death of someone else. The problem is it's not the question. Does he love the game of football? He doesn't love the work ethic to put in to the game of football. And I think that is a huge thing because alpha number one, overall elite trait players have to be mentally dedicated to the game. I do think uh, almost every human is night and day with Isaiah Wilson. So like, yes. that's almost a benchmark we need to kind of set moving forward. Um, I do think you're, you're right about where he's probably going to go. I don't think it, like if he was the third, fourth or fifth pick in the draft before this incident, I still think he's probably the third, fourth or fifth pick in the draft after this. There's also a very clear path forward here for him, which I think is to your point about PR. Like people don't understand. I don't understand why PR executives, I know there's a legal thing here and he's got to be careful with what he says publicly. But if you just go down, these are not felonies. These are misdemeanors. If you go down there and you say, yes, I did it. Take your medicine, plead guilty, apologize, be remorseful. Almost all of the NFL will forgive you. And they're going to take him number three or four or five. Like it's just, it's not that complicated for him to get through all of this. So it's why I don't think if he falls, because I talked to somebody covering the Raiders. I said, would, if he makes it to seven, would they take him? And he's like, no chance because of the Henry Ruggs situation, because it's exactly the same, unfortunately. But a little like, bit the, different. It's it's a little bit different. I mean, no, there was no, no. alcohol involved on Henry Ruggs's part and all that kind of stuff. Well, but I mean, the player who died had a blood alcohol level two times the legal limit, and and well, no, the the recruiting staffer did, the player did not. So let's let's get okay, make sure that enough, the guy driving, enough. which was the recruiting staffer who was twenty four years old, he was a young recruiting staffer. He was the one that was the point one ninety two or one ninety six, whatever she, that was. You're talking about she, the the female, right? The woman, the, whoever the recruiting staffer is. Yeah, yeah. I have not using pronouns. That is the guy that is, or that person, yep. is the one that was driving the car and had the blood blood alcohol content. The point is, he's not going to make it to eleven, and if he does, mm-hmm. the Titans should take him probably a thousand times out of a thousand. Um, there's no reason to go up and get him if he falls to six, seven, or eight. I don't no. think. Um, because I don't think he's going to fall that far. So I think it's, it is, I will say it's the reason we bring it up is that it is, I don't know about you. It is unprecedented to see the potential number one overall pick in the draft be pulled off of a podium right before he goes up because of a warrant for his arrest. That, that is just an unprecedented sentence that anyone well, has ever uttered about. There, the there's some good stuff that works out in his favor. Like you said, it's just two misdemeanors. He wasn't under the influence. That's a big thing. So that, that helps a lot alleviate a lot of the concerns. I agree with you in the sense that this post that he put up saying that, well, when the, the real story comes out and blah, 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 like, dude, this was a, a, a over a month long investigation. Yeah. They have traffic cameras. You're guilty. <laughs> like you're guilty of a, the misdemeanor and that's all they're charging you with. Right. I mean, that there's no, after a month long investigation, there's no charge of, 
uh, driving under the influence. There's no charge of uh, vehicle manslaughter. I mean, there's right. no right. It's reckless no driving and racing. Charge. Yeah. So you you are 100 right. His agent, his PR staff should have said, "Listen, we're just going to go down here, pay this four thousand dollar bond. Like if it was a, it's not even a ten thousand dollar bond. It's a four thousand. Like plead guilty, say you're sorry, and, and it's over. Let's go." It's yeah. over. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Speaking of the segment, it's over. Um, I, I, so let's um, let's take a look at. Uh, so Carthon said some stuff about like when the weather turns cold. It, it, you know, it, you, you got to be physical and run the football, which we know fits into Mike Vrabel's identity. That's what Mike Vrabel has long believed in. I sort of as a as a forty year old have always long believed in defense and running the football has won championships historically. That has evolved. My opinion on that has evolved over the course of time. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, and we're going to talk a little bit more about modernizing the analytics department because Carthon said a lot of stuff this week in that in that area. Um, but there's some people that like kind of came back at Carthon and just said, look, you know, as I think he, he mentioned kind of the Golden State Warriors. And it's like, oh, people for, you know, you still got to get down to it's basketball and grass. It's basketball and grass, but you still got to get down to being physical and running the football. And that's how you win in January and December or December and January. And. The, the pushback on that was, well, but look at all the rings the Golden State has and look at the style of football that Kansas City has been playing. I think you could argue Cincinnati to some degree as well. Look at the style of football that, that has been successful and, and won. And the question is, is what are the correlations here? Like, is there a correlation that that is a big deal? Is, is it just a, an offhand comment because he likes running the football and being physical and those are two things that are important? Like, I don't, what, what do we make of the, the golden state analogy and the basketball and grass and the style of football that Kansas city's playing relative to what Rand Carthon wants to execute? Uh, the same thing I thought after his initial presser, like I, to me, the people that, uh, and Mike is one of them, Mike, Mike, when he made these comments yesterday and everybody started jumping all the national media, uh, started paying attention to the Titans. started jumping on this. These are this presser. This press conference that he had is almost identical in words used to his opening press conference outside of his attitude was a lot more happier in the first one. This is not is a nothing burger. It was a nothing burger. Then we talked about it on this show. We talked about football and other F words. This is a big nothing burger comment because this does not mean anything other than it aligns with what Mike Vrabel has said. It aligns with what the NFL says. Go back to the Super Bowl of the Eagles. How'd they get there? Running the football. And then what they do? Run the football and play great defense. The Chiefs did lean a little bit heavier in the winter months with on Isaiah Pacheco. And then you go turn around to the previous year. The Rams and the Bengals... They were trying to outduel each other on the ground. Can do you know? Does nobody remember? Because it drove yeah. me nuts. I'm thinking, why are they continuing to run the ball? <laughs> right. Like because they both were sucking at it. They were just both being so stubborn about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and and then like someone put Tom Brady. Uh, well, when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, they passed. They were the fifth best passing offense. But look, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. They made it to the Super Bowl because that defense in the postseason. And yeah. that's what it's all about. The def- you have to have an efficient run game unless you're going to run into a guy with a just as equally as a least efficient run game like the Bengals and the Rams you have to have an efficient run game to compete and it's not about eating up the clock cuz everybody started then jumping on to eating the clock and eating up all this stuff and it's just about playing good sound football and that's essentially what he's saying is that yeah it's great to those Mike White games that everybody went crazy for on the offseason. It's great to have those in like September and, and, and October, but when it gets colder, you yeah. need to have a run game that you can rely on because it's going to be difficult to throw in certain climates. And, and I think you and I have talked a lot about this. What, what, how, to, how to define running the football has changed, right? Yes. Like it's changed. It, it used to be this thing in like 1998 that involved Emmett Smith getting X amount of carries between the tackles this many plays in a game that was going to end up being 23 to 20 with like, you know, 42 plays it's changed. And I, some of this, I, I, I always go back to my conversations with offensive coordinators in college football around Mike, the Mike Leach system, which is essentially the system that every football team runs to some degree, but, but the way it got better and more evolved was being able to run the football when you need to. And the way coordinators explained that to me was, 
situationally in terms of short yardage, uh, red zone, goal line. Maybe you do have a lead in the fourth quarter and then and weather as well when like you just simply can't throw the ball because it's pouring down rain or there's just snow everywhere or whatever. There's it's it's about running the ball when you have to in the right moments and being efficient with that running game. I think defense goes without saying. Now, as we've said on the show just a couple weeks ago, you need to have a top 10 offense. An efficient running game is how you you can get to a top 10 offense with an efficient running game. So I want to move this conversation into sort of the modernization of the front office of the Tennessee Titans and package it with those two identities that we know Vrabel still wants to have, right? Efficient running football and physicality, right? But if we move it forward into what Rand Carthon talked a lot about this week in terms of modernizing the front office, hiring Chad Brinker, uh, who's got this AI deal with Northwestern and this S2 company here in Nashville, all about processing and analytics, like clearly this administration is significantly more progressive and more analytics data driven than the last administration under John Robinson. Not hard to do. The question I have that I find really interesting is can you, how do you mirror, can you do like sort of a, not like an old school, but like this defense physicality mentality on the field that Mike Vrabel sort of has and mirror that and marry that to back end front office data and analytics and tracking and like, what, what does that look like in your mind when you put those two things together? Uh, the 49ers. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't understand. I, I guess it's for a lack of content in the offseason for some of these places. But, you know, for for me, it's just like it's the 49ers. If, if you want an example of a modernized offense that has a focus of running the football that uses analytics, that uses analytics in the offseason, uses analytics game day, that uses analytics to make cap situ cap decisions that to make injury decisions and spot trends and do this and that it's the san francisco 49ers like the san francisco 49ers the shanahan office the shanahan offense that everybody wants to duplicate that everybody wants to emulate that everybody wants their offense to run and be is focused on running the football efficiently like it drives me insane that people think that San Francisco is some high-flying modern <laughs> offense when it's been around since forever. Can I remember getting into fantasy football and knowing that it doesn't matter who the Denver running back when Mike Shanahan was down there. Terrell, He's Terrell getting Davis, a thousand yeah. yards. Ruben Drones, sign me up. I'll Clinton, put you on my team. Clinton <laughs> Portis. Know? Yeah, I mean, like it did not matter who was back there running the football. And that is still the same thing for Shanahan in 2023. 1993 Shanahan and Shanahan in 2023. 2003 Shanahan, we'll put it there. They're the same thing. It does not matter who is running the football. They're going to run it, and they're going to run efficiently. And then they're going to build off the run. I would also say uh, the Night King echoed those sentiments as well, um, Tim Kelly, when he talked about the illusion of complexity, which is, yes. to me largely how I would define the San Francisco offense. And if you want to kind of go further down that path, because I think Tim Kelly did take a little bit of heat. And I know you had some comments on, on F words about this, about just sort of maybe, maybe I want to say like, he feels like he's towing the company line too much when yeah. it comes to the, to the, like, Oh, I'm not going to say anything about well, he's out of practice. Him. He hasn't had to talk to the media <laughs> right. because I mean, guy, Got to shield everybody. But I mean, like, like this this Titans organization. Right. You well, can the, the old Titans organization. Right. The key is you can run Derrick Henry in the B gap on the left side of the offensive line out of 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. With You can run him with in the shotgun. You can run it in the pistol. You can run him motioning into the backfield. You can run him not motioning. You can. The idea is you can run Derrick Henry into the same spot <laughs> a million different ways before you actually run him into that spot. And it's just, I don't think it's that complicated to understand. You want your offense playing fast and, and you it, sim, simple just comes off as like a kind of a, an old word. I feel like um, because football is not a simple game, but the way Shanahan, the reason Shanahan, and this is like not new information here, guys, like the reason Shanahan's offense is so special is, is how he confuses everybody. <laughs> He's, he's doing the same stuff. He just does it with different people in different places, moving around in different ways from different formations, and it all ends up being the same thing eventually, but you just don't know where and when it's coming. 
Well, I mean, you got to look at it this way. Right now, Tim Kelly has no clue what his offense is going to look like because he has no clue what the personnel looks like because that that right there was a big telling situation, and Mike Vrabel even said that it's pretty much an open competition at every spot. Rand Carthon has said that essentially they're looking for positionless players. Like, this this is a almost... I feel like it's almost irresponsible for people to make sweeping generalizations about what this team will be because we, we really don't know. We know they want to get more vertical because that's what Tim Kelly said, but they don't really have the players to get vertical in the traditional sense. They, they do have Traylon Burks and they do have Chigo Conquo, but that's a different kind of vertical. It, it's, it's not like Brandon Cooks going deep vertical that you saw with the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, you know, throwing it, you know, 70 yards right. down the field through the air and right to him dropping it down. It's it's not able to be that, but that's at least you know that's what they want to be. I, I feel like I feel like the coaches almost do get done a disservice by the PR group. And I and there was a lot of there's a lot of stuff when I went back and rewatched the Tim Kelly press conference, there's a lot of stuff that got washed away because of the predictable thing, which by the way, did you have to watch it a second time because you were distracted the first time because of the, yeah. Eyes? Oh yeah. Those like, eyes are the white Walker night King in. guy. Okay. Yeah. They, so, they, 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 they suck. Yeah. That was, that didn't, but, that I looked mean, Photoshopped is what yeah. that looked. But people say stupid stuff all the time in press conferences that they don't really mean. And it happens all the time. And, you know, he's just out of practice. I mean, hell, you had Nolan Smith get up and say that Georgia does more with less than any other team in the NCAA, which I thought was the stupidest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he knows what that phrase means. Yeah. Or I don't. I don't know where knows. this Georgia underdog mentality come from. We we talked about it a rap, few weeks ago. Rap, it's rap poison, dude. It's it's your but boy. This is, it's that's Nick the most ridiculous Sa- statement I've ever <laughs> I've ever heard a college football it's player Nick say. Nick Saban teaching Kirby how to sell rat poison to his team. That's what that Doing is. Doing more with less, Georgia D. They, they, they really have to overcome a lot of obstacles. We're we are the most disrespected team in America. <laughs> yeah, they 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 don't they don't have anything. I mean, that boosters yeah. they hardly pay them any money. No, Probably no, no. nil no. facilities suck. Athens is a terrible place to live. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Georgia doing doing more with less since you know 2003. Again, uh, probably a misspeak by Nolan Smith. So, yeah. but I, I will say that if your head coach has already said. We got to get less predictable. And then you go out there and say <laughs> twice that you didn't think that the team was predictable. There is a communication error somewhere, whether it's in your own brain and it's miswired, but it was not a good thing to say. And then it totally overshadows all the good stuff he said, where he talked about getting vertical, where he talked about uh, explosive plays, and he talked about, you know, waiting to see what the personnel is, getting Chig involved, getting Traylon Burks involved. Um, it also overshadows the fact that uh, Rand Carthon said, we're not going to build around one person when he was asked specifically about building around Derrick Henry. We're not going to build around one person, which tells you right there, they're not building around the running back. I mean, they they know that that is not, they're not building around this running back. And because they, they know that is not the way forward for this team to be successful. I do find it funny in the, in the conversation of all of this though, that, this S2 thing. So I'm going to go back to Malik Willis. And um, this S2 thing. John Robinson hired him, hired them in September of this year, according to Joe Rex Road. What's funny is that they've been trying to get the Titans to sign with them for years. Oh, God. And they're in Nashville. And, like, the, apparently they weren't going through the proper channels, supposedly, to a few different people. They were going through the strength and conditioning trying to get through up there, but either way it wasn't getting to John Robinson and all that kind of stuff. I know that they ha- are really high on this draft class 2023 with this cognitive performance, the, the, the S two group mental processing. Yes. They were a lot. There are a lot, a lot, a lot higher on this one than last year's draft class. That's all I can say, and that's all I've gotten information out of some various people concerning this. <laughs> that should tell you everything you need to know about last know. year's draft class of quarterbacks. I don't um, know what you're talking about. But I, I find it funny that with Malik Willis as your backup quarterback and Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback, 
and maybe this there's a package, an unspoken package deal. But I find it funny that people are so up in arms about this not not wanting to pass the ball, the Golden State Warriors thing, but also not believing in Ryan Tannehill. There's a, they're, 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 they're the same people for the most part. I mean, there's a cross, a big, large cross section where it's like, I hate Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis sucks, but we need to pass the ball more anyway, even though I hate all these people. Like that doesn't, that doesn't jive. <laughs> so I, I think, and I'm going to uh, shamelessly do this here. I, I think there, this is a, what I am seeing sort of, I like to, st- I'm trying to step back from all this because we can get really in the weeds on an individual player or Malik Willis's processing speed or, you know, Ryan Tannehill and the offense and Golden State comparisons and the Chiefs and Mahomes. And we can do so, go so into the weeds on all this stuff. I'm going to step back 10,000 feet and talk about a recipe and a plan because our two great sponsors are a burger joint and a construction company, or I should say a uh, design firm, Kingston Group, of course, and the pharmacy. So the recipe that I am seeing brought to you by the pharmacy uh, right over there on East Nashville, of course, on Fairn Avenue, great burgers, great brats, great mustard, great tots, great place to hang out and go have a great lunch when it's not severe weather warnings every single freaking day. Of course, it is. What is it? March 2nd. You probably shouldn't say you probably shouldn't say anything about severe weather on March 2nd, but uh, especially in my neighborhood. Uh, the recipe that I am seeing brought to you by the pharmacy is this like combination of all the things that I really like about 2023 football. Right. It is this modernized, data driven, experienced front office with a teacher and a leader and an experienced head coach. Uh, mixed mixed with sort of this scheme and style, which I think is the, the biggest missing piece of this that we don't know yet, that we think wants to be like Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? That we think it's, we want it to be a versatile. You know, he said violent, he added violent, but he wants it. To, we've, we've seen positionless, versatile, fast, right? Like we know what they want to be. That is a recipe that feels very productive moving forward. Now you got to get the pieces to work in it. You've got to have the right guy calling the plays. You need the right chef. You need the, you know, like you need all the right stuff to happen, but that feels like the right recipe to keep it physical, keep it like Mike Vrabel as a teacher and a leader and a physical, you know, philosophy with this modern analytics front office and an offense that is just uber complicated before the snap but super fast after the snap. <laughs> like that's what you want. And that is brought to you by the pharmacy. That's also a great plan for success brought to you by the Kingston group, Nashville's locally. And owned it's a custom. plan that we're seeing in action. When you talk about the coaching staff, when you talk about yes. the front office staff, it's just, it's happening. Whether you want to keep your head in the sand or not about this team coming into the 21st century, the Titans have now entered the chat, the 21st century chat. <laughs> they are, they are here. Now it's about to be what the 22nd century here soon. So we got to, you know, speed yeah. up this process and catch up. But I, I don't, they I are, don't want Google. I don't want Google yeah. calling plays. Okay. They are one of 14 teams currently with S2. That's ahead of the curve. And that is a good sign for this team. Yeah. And, and again, all these things can like, it doesn't mean that the game you see and the style of play changes. Like it doesn't, I think people think like, again, it's all this modernized 21st data analytics, all this stuff. And it's just going to turn into like nerd ball. And I don't think that that's not what Mike Vrabel will ever deliver to people on the field. Like it's like, he's not going to coach like finesse. (laughs) Like that's not going to, that's not ever going to be his identity. Um, That's, I do think that Minnesota is an interesting one to me. When you, when you brought up Sam, your answer was like San Francisco, right? Like how you define this. The, the combination that we're talking about. And I find Minnesota to be interesting because I think they obviously have a lot of San Francisco ties in the front office, a lot of data and analytics and progressive thinking in the front office. They they are, they're a little bit more Kansas city ish in how they operate in terms of their offensive scheme. So it's not quite the same, but they also have elite weapons as well with in, in the backfield and in receiver. I'm not sure about cousins, but I'm curious what you think of comparing Minnesota to San Francisco and then, what does that mean from the Titans? Because there are some, there's some overlap, but there's also some some differences. Yeah, the the Minnesota thing is a little hard for me because you're talking about the the most uh, comebacks in NFL history or tied with the most in the season was eight with Kirk Cousins. So it's almost like what you saw all this passing offense was out of necessity, right? I mean, like it was almost out of necessity. I think if you would ask, they would much rather go play action run game i think i think if you honestly polled all nfl coaches 
head coaches and said, how would you prefer to run your offense? And if they said, man, it would be really nice to have a great run game, take some pressure off my quarterback and do a lot of play action. I guarantee you, I think I, I, I would say probably 31 to 30 of the head coaches would say that. Don't I you? Know, I mean, who are the who are the two that don't? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just leaving it up for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, I, no, Mike McCarthy definitely would if you haven't Josh, seen his comments. Josh McDaniels. I, I'm just leaving it open for the possibility yeah, that's not 100. Yeah. Uh, no, I I think that goes right back to our point about everyone wants to run the ball and yeah. knows they need to run the ball. It's how and when you do it to be the most efficient running game that is what matters. Uh, again, unless you've. Uh, I, I, Golden, I don't, the reason I don't like the Kansas City Golden State thing is because you could just sit here and say and win the entire argument by being like, but Mahomes is the anomaly. Like, Mahomes yeah. is like, like it's peak Aaron Rodgers, it's peak Tom Brady, it's peak Peyton Manning, it's peak John Elway. He's just an anomaly and you can't go find that guy. Um, I, so, so I don't, I don't like comparing everybody to Mahomes. I don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, all right. I do think it's it's a it's a fascinating blend of of ingredients brought to you by the pharmacy okay, that I really like that I really quick? like. Okay, we we talking about Isaiah Pacheco, right? And we were talking about what basically they do, what they what this means, what this Golden State, you know, come November December means. Here's what the Chiefs did with Isaiah Pacheco, who was available all 17 games by month, September. They were uh, 17 attempts in the month of September. Is this, in is, October, this the, is this for the whole team or is this just for this player? It's for Isaiah Pacheco, who is the number one running back. Was he, was he number one the whole season, though? I don't know. Can I just fucking get through it? Because well, no, that context matters. If he's not the starting back, then you can't I, use his I, carries. Oh, my God. Well, just fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Don't get all pissed off. Well, I mean, I can't go back and check and pull all this stuff because I'm on Isaiah Pacheco's page and it makes for bad radio. Either way, his his <laughs> carries went to fifty eight and fifty eight in November and December. I, I I I as a fantasy owner of his who picked him up mid season because he wasn't being used, I agree with that. I just want to know as an offense, were they running the ball more efficient, like more? It, as as I mean, obviously, I tried to Mahomes, find that. I could not find the splits, so I'd have to go through and do every freaking. Let's do it live. Back. Let's do yeah. it live. Well, I'll here. say this. Clyde Edward Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon, who were splitting the snaps, uh, I believe they were doing a three-headed monster. Yeah. We're talking about 71 and 72 total attempts. So they obviously, for the whole year, so they obviously ran more as the season went on. Yeah, and even if you just go by, you know, yards, I mean, they had a couple of nice games early. They ran against the Raiders 150, or excuse me, they ran against uh, the Bucks actually, for 189, but they were under 100 against the Chargers. They were under 100 against the Colts in week three. They were under 70 against the Bills in, their, in that loss in October. They were under 70 again. And then it's 155, 163, 117, 138 in, in November. And they got they go for 189 against the Texans, but that's the Texans. And then they finished up with 168 against Vegas. But you know what? In the playoffs, they ran the ball against the Eagles and the Jaguars. <laughs> that, that's And that was with Pacheco for sure. Okay, so, so the highest total for Clyde Edward Hilaire in October was 43 carries. He did 22 in September, and we're talking about 17 and 17, I think, for the other two. So when you take in the account that they were doing 58 and 58 uh, just by Clyde or just by Isaiah Pacheco in November and October, then you're talking about that they started leaning heavily on the run and leaning a heavier on the run than what they were because it got it got a little bit dicier as it went on and and the ankle injury, you know, Mahomes can't run around and do everything that he was doing as well. So I, I think there is some validity to that. Oh, by the way, everybody kind of gets this way in December, yes. And January. Yes. Everybody um, gets this way. But what makes, but again, also the, there also Mahomes is also an anomaly as well. So there's, right. there's that. Um, speak, speaking of uh, quickly here at being at number 11, uh, of course you're listening to, uh, to us here on a football show brought to you by the Kingston Group and a pharmacy. So, and the pharmacy, not a pharmacy. Um, Rand Carthon said we're open for business. Is, is this a nothing burger here? Do you, I guess not well, what I'm interested in. Absolutely it is. Of course, every, everything is must lie. Chris, Chris Ballard just. No, I, it's every not time a Chris lie. Ballard, it's not a lie. Every team is open for business. Sorry, every team has their draft pick will take a phone call about their draft pick. Hey, I, let me say something. Guess what? The Bears are open for business. 
Oh, the Texans are open for business. Oh, no, the Colts are open for everybody's no, fucking no. open for business. This is the most this is the most desperate, thirsty for content topic that any any of these guys like A to Z, Titans MCM, wow. all these guys, they're just so thirsty. They're doing whole shows about well, what if the Titans trade up? What does that look like? What if the Titans trade by? What does that look like? I like, guess what? We do that every fucking year. Every well, what fucking I, year. So I, I misspoke, much like uh, Tim Kelly did. Uh, I misspoke. What I meant was is that it doesn't indicate what his his like preferred strategy is. Like he's just you just say it because you have to say it. Like everybody's open for business. I don't think anybody's gonna get anything. Out. I think you're just gonna have to use his actions. Yes. As what you're gonna get out of Rancarthon, because, like I said. He was not. He was not a snuggly. He's not snuggly in this uh, press conference at the combine like he was at the opener. So yes, I don't. I don't think you're going to get sh- jack shit out of him until it hits the news. And Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter yeah. tweet it because ain't no local guy who's going to tweet it. Well, and I, um, I was listening to Chris Ballard speak, which is just always. He just always sounds like he's lying because he sounds like an SEC football coach when he talks. I, I think what's fascinating, what I wanted to ask you about with this topic is because we've already discussed ad nauseum what it would look like to go up and get your guy if you've evaluated your guy. We, we talked a lot about and we will talk way more about what the right priority should be at 11. We haven't really gotten deep into that conversation yet, but we'll do that after the combine, after we see more, more of these players. I'm just I just wanted your opinion. If they were to move back to 22 and take a receiver or a lineman or whatever, maybe it's an, an edge rusher, because that could be another possibility that people haven't talked a lot about, especially if Dupree's getting cut. I just want to know what you think, like, what would your reaction be? And what do the fans reactions be if, you know, for months and months and months as the season's ending, we want that top pick. And then they just go, all right, we'll take an extra second to move back to 23. I think they'd be fine with it. I like, I, I, I think for, for the last like seven years, every year under John Robinson, all the all Titans fans have wanted is for someone is just to trade back. Isaiah Wilson pick trade back. I'd be so happy if they traded out of that Caleb Farley pick. And it's not about the players that they selected. Right. It's was the, the the whole thing. And you're talking about a deep draft in certain situations of in positions of need. Trade back. I, th- I think most would be okay with it because I feel like at number eleven is just some weird purgatory. I it's like totally, I it's totally like agree you're hoping you. that Anthony Richardson is there, but then wouldn't you really just want Paris Johnson? And none of the receivers are really capturing your um, your uh, attention right now. It's just like just weird pick. And so, like, I think that's why everybody wants him to trade up and show conviction that they have a guy. But I think if you polled everybody what their second choice would be, I would think that it would be the second majority would be trading back. I, I It's weird because that's how I've started to formulate, like not my big board, but that's kind of what it is. Like it feels like there's a drop off right around like eight, nine ish, maybe. Yeah. And so you, you're like, OK, go up to six or seven and you're guaranteed to get your guy. Or I, Look at it this way. It goes to the prospects, right? Because you're talking about at least you're expecting if you believe what everybody's saying, four quarterbacks to go off the board in the first 10 picks. Okay. Oh, I... So that leaves you six players. Okay. That's what people are expecting. So let's just use that. So six players. Well, you know, Jalen Carter is going to be gone. You know, Will Anderson's going to be gone. You know that one offensive lineman is going to be gone and one cornerback's probably going to be gone. Christian Gonzalez, you know, probably right. Yeah. There. Christian Gonzalez, maybe Devon Witherspoon creeps up in there. So the the people that you're picking from is like Paris Johnson, maybe uh the what's the Clemson uh edge Brian, rusher. You got Miles Murphy and Brian Brise. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like none of those names there's a, really there's a, pique your interest. There's a little and I agree with so I, I don't think there'll be four. I think there'll be three quarterbacks in the top ten, but we'll yeah, get to I, I, I mean, that's that's totally different. We'll get yeah, to Richardson. I agree with you. We'll get to Richardson in a second, but I do agree that there is there's like Will Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, the three quarterbacks, that's five. And then like again, like if you're going by pure talent, you might actually put this is uh, this is for you, Mike and, yeah. and Justin. Bijan Robinson might belong in the top five or six in terms of we'll pure see. talent, but he's not gonna about this Bijan Robinson. He's gonna Mike. go way back. If he's gonna be so generational, he needs to break every combine record for every running back. Because if he I've seen people say he's gonna come in and run like a four or five, maybe barely under four or five, and I'm thinking well, what's so special? This is this feels like the Kyle Pitts generational talk and everything. 
I think he's very good, but I don't think he's this generation going to be the Saquon Barkley really never turned into generational. People are like, well, he's the next generational uh, the, running back since Saquon Barkley. Well, yeah. you know, so I've, I've covered I've covered football, I've covered college football a long time, and and Bijan Robinson and Saquon Barkley are not in the same ballpark. Yeah, so. I, I don't think so either. I, I I think that Bijan Robinson is a little bit better than Saquon Barkley, but yep. I'm going to say this: the last generational running back that come out of college and labeled as generational running back in my mind is Adrian Peterson. There's been nobody since then that I feel like is a true generational changing quarterback and or running back. And it's a position that is not, that means he'll yeah, go yeah, high. I didn't, Here's I didn't. what I think. I think yeah. there are 10 to 15 first round talents. I think there's five or five elite talents out of that 10 to 15 like uh, it's very yeah. it's very small the only it's reason the i brought half. the only reason i brought up Bijan and and the only two names because i voted for jonathan taylor twice for the heisman and derrick henry as well and and maybe mccaffrey's in there those are the only modern three that i would put on the adrian but I, but i agree with you because i i covered adrian peterson coming out of coming out of high school there is no running back since herschel walker and bo jackson in the 80s that compares to adrian peterson physically coming out of high school and college. That's it. So I, I, I you're not going to hear me argue with you about Adrian Peterson. The reason I brought up B. John Robinson is relative to the rest of his class. Yeah. And, and to like the last five or 10 classes. And I think Will Anderson fits that mold. Jalen Carter fits that mold. Maybe the two or three receipt quarterbacks do, but I agree with you. That's kind of it. Kinda like is, I like yeah. the, the, the Van Ness kid out of Iowa. I think is great. I think there's All really right. great players, but if you move back to 22 and you get a pick 51 out of the deal, that's where you're going to get a big difference between unfortunately, right. because you know, all regular season, I said, lose this game, get the higher draft pick. And now you get to the draft and you're kind of looking at all the players and shaking. It's <laughs> like Paris Johnson is, is the, the best possible scenario for a stick and pick a best possible realistic scenario. I think that Anthony Richardson could be, you know, there, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think Richardson is going to be there. Yeah, uh, I think I Levis either. could be there and I, don't if want to they, see that. If happen. they draft Levis, I'm worse. You're we're done covering a new team. You're you're done. <laughs> we're just going to be a Jacksonville show from now on. Um, no, make sure you oh, go. Hell make no. sure, it's definitely make not going to be a Jacksonville show. Make sure you go to the pharmacy. Make sure you go to the Kingston Group. Don't make any decisions about your house. Use the Kingston Group, of course. Uh, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and of course the pharmacy as well. Um, and I, so let's get into some positions of value here. And there's going to be a conversation about Jeffrey Simmons versus the franchise quarterback. But I do want to allude to what you guys were talking about. On football and other efforts, go check out that show, of course, on the YouTube page and on everywhere you get your podcast. And that is that, by and large, there's and I was doing this looking at the position. I ranked my positions, and it's sort of the same when we do like positions that you're watching this weekend. I, I'm not sure there's a position other than Jeffrey Simmons, and I think this is what you said. Like, I'm I'm watching almost every position because I think almost every option is on the table for this team. I almost there's not really a position that they could draft in the first round that would totally shock me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Other than defensive tackle, it, it I guess. Sense. It's just, it would be like, where are they at in the draft? I guess like, you know, that, that to me is kind of like where I'm at with it. Like I right now, Harold Landry, because of his contract and Jeffrey Simmons are you, the guys that you're technically untouchable, you know? And then of course the, the rookies coming in. But my question is, is that these people, Joe Rexroad wrote about this column and he said that even he thinks that it may have to include Jeffrey Simmons to move up to the number one spot. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but let's say in the world where mm. that is the only way you can move up, trade his ass, get his ass out of here. Really? Get franchise. If this team has conviction, get the franchise quarterback. Okay. Mm. Here's how I would rank the importance of a franchise player at different positions, franchise quarterback, your elite offensive line, I would go elite cornerback, elite pass rusher, elite wide receiver, and then your elite defensive tackle, game wrecker, whatever you want to call it. Like he's like sixth or seventh most important position on the team. Uh, so like, I have I have quarterback at number one. Yeah. Uh, the person who neutralizes the quarterback is the defensive end or the outside pass rusher. So you get two. edge at two. But but basically. The guy who protects the quarterback, who's the most important, is the left tackle mostly, or right tackle if you're a lefty, I guess. But like to me, it's those three clearly it, 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 yeah. are the top three. Then there's a debate between the elite weapon on the outside because this is almost all now about salary. Like the NFL will tell you what it values by how they're drafted and how they get paid. 
And defensive – now, I will say that I, I, I do think sometimes defensive tackles are a little bit more like tight ends in that just not everybody has an elite one. Like, there's just there's just only so many of them to go around. But what, but what good is it? Like, without the elite quarterback – I mean, okay, can I say something? No, you're not allowed to talk on your own show. Can Isn't Jeffrey Simmons kind of replaceable? Fuck no, dude. Stop you don't it. think so? Because they no. replaced Albert Hainsworth with Jarrell Casey and Jarrell Casey with Jeffrey Simmons. And if you really look at it, Jeffrey Simmons has a habit of disappearing for stretches at a time. And if you really think about it, you, you got defensive tackles flying in everywhere on the NFL that are just as that. The, the, I think I think people overrate their own player. And that, that's that part probably true. But and, and here's, do you think, let me ask you this. What sets you up better for the future? Oh, I'm yeah. So here I, I will agree with you on one thing. If you told me like 24 year old Patrick Mahomes, 24 year old Jeffrey Simmons, who am I taking? And I can trade one for the other. I'm taking the quarterback. Like I'm not I'm th- that part. I'm not arguing with you about like it's if you can trade Jeffrey Simmons almost one for one and just get your guy and he's guaranteed to be as good at quarterback as Jeffrey Simmons is as defensive tackle, then I'm totally in. I'm totally down for that. That's obviously not the case with a completely unproven college prospect where you have to, you, the conviction better be off the charts. Like, hey, let me ask you this. Better you be traded, off the charts. Let's say you trade Jeffrey Simmons and you picked up uh, Kalija uh, Cansey, uh, the guy that's basically being called baby Aaron Donald and Bryce Young. Isn't that much better? I mean, like, I, I don't feel that there is value in the defensive tackle position enough. And I think that the Aaron Donald is, is a prime example. And I think it took the, the Rams to to get a, we saw, we saw how much Aaron Donald meant when in the 2017 Super Bowl where they got lot, where they lost to the Patriots. Right. Yeah. It didn't matter. Because you could scheme for him and everything else, like the people could scheme for Jeffrey Simmons, and then you go and look, they go get Matt Stafford, and that changes the entirety. Man, when you the- <laughs> when you tested it, it? When, well, when when you set this up to like, hey, I think we should we, we're going to talk about this. Let's discuss this. Like at first, I thought you were batshit crazy. I was like, this is this is absurd. And I, but I do think if I'm let's 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 switch it around a little bit and play the role of the Bears, and like. It's not any different. If you've got a proven commodity at defensive tackle, because even even as good as Jalen Carter and Will, and Will Anderson are, Jeffrey Simmons is proven. He, he is a proven all pro kind of best in the world at his position. If you're the Bears, do you want the number one pick and take an unproven commodity in Jalen Carter? Or do you want Jeffrey Simmons? And I think you could easily argue if you're the Bears, you'd much rather have Jeffrey Simmons. I, I think you could. And then I also think like, do they really want to spend a go ahead and spend a bunch of money on a defensive tackle than probably have another defensive tackle? Or would they rather spend that money elsewhere building up the offensive line? Now they have a lot of caps, so that's a kind of a different situation. But I look at it from like it's a very deep defensive tackle draft, defensive line draft. I've, and it's yeah, there will you're never gonna the games that he does take over, he takes over really well. But I just think like if it's if you're asking me if I have to choose between Jeffrey Simmons and a franchise quarterback, I'm going Jeffrey Simmons. And if you're asking me to choose, you're, you're, you're going at, quarterback. You yeah, said, I'm going quarterback. Said, sorry, and I'm going quarterback. And if you're asking me to say where I'm going to rank the importance of Jeffrey Simmons as a position, as an elite or franchise game wrecker, whatever you want to use to describe him, I would put it like seventh. It's the seventh most, sixth or seventh most important position. It's the probably once you include head coaches, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, it's like way down. It's not, it's like barely top. No, 10. You, you, you make, these are all valid arguments, very logical and rational case to, to move Jeffrey Simmons. Um, and some of that is that you're going to say, and like I don't hundred- think they have to move Jeffrey Simmons no. to get up to the number one spot. I, I, I think that saying that that is the only way, that no, you but it could be is not like open in your mind that just get rid of these first round picks. They also it, it could be all it could be an extremely efficient way to do it, and it could save you a hundred yeah. million dollars potentially as, right. as well. So like there there's there's a lot of reasons why I understand the argument. I do think that now maybe I'm biased because I have I, I'm a I'm a pedigree guy, and and people are always like I have to argue with like Big Ten fans all the time. Like no, you're just SEC bias. I'm like no, I'm a talent bias. Like I. I have bias towards the teams in college football that have acquired the most talent. 
Uh, and generally, those people are from the Southeast. And Jeffrey Simmons is like what I what I like about guys who continue to prove their pedigree is that they're like this was a an elite high school prospect who was the number one defensive tackle coming out of high school, who was the would have been a top five number one defensive tackle coming out of college, if not for the injury and has proven to be that player on the field in the NFL. So like what I that's the thing is that it's so proven and the pedigree is there. I, I've also, man, like I've stood next to Vita Vey. I've stood next to a few defensive tackles and there's nobody like Jeffrey. Simmons. <laughs> I'm not arguing your point about the position value, yeah. your point about going up to get the quarterback being more valuable, like uh, the, saving the money on the cap, like all rag- all rational arguments. No question. Um, I also think there's at the same time, Jeffrey Simmons is a rare specimen in my opinion. So uh, what about positions we're watching at, in the combine this weekend? Because I do think, this this is our this is the same conversation. Like I would, I agree with you. It depends on where they're picking. If they're picking twenty sixth, no no position would surprise me. Middle linebacker, guard, corner, maybe not. Maybe safety would surprise me. That that might surprise me because they just paid Hooker and, and Byard. Unless they do something just, with Byard's contract. Byard. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like Sorry, honestly, Stoney. honestly, if they take a quarterback, not surprised. If they trade up to get a quarterback, take one at eleven. Not shocked. If I guess maybe. If they have Derrick Henry, then running back's off the table. But if they trade Derrick Henry and you're at 26 because you've traded back and Bijan's on the board, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Like, yeah. just li- I'm not saying that's what I want to see. I'm just saying there's not really a position in in this. Like, the, I think this is a good thing for the Titans that they have. It's bad for their roster. <laughs> yeah. But it's good that they have real flexibility in this draft. The offensive line has my full attention, obviously, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two positions that probably people aren't thinking the Titans need to be looking at or should have a priority at looking at. But the combine is for the guys for you to be able to match tape with athletic traits, and the guy the 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 positions that have a high correlation between your relative athletic score, which takes all this combined stuff and puts into a nice little formula for you are linebacker and tight end. And I think that the way that the Titans want to do stuff on defense and offense, they need a linebacker and tight end because really right now we don't, doesn't sound like David long is going to be resigned if he's valuing him, his market a lot. Because the first words out of Vrabel's mouth were durability, durability. When asked about re-signing David Long, like they, it's ridiculous. they may not they may not have a choice, but that's the that's a different that's a different angle. So, but these linebackers and tight ends are just so deep. And if you, I am watching those two position groups to find hidden gems you can find in the fourth or fifth round that it could provide you athleticism and violence. And and tight ends can show you violence in their blocking game. And I oh, yeah. am so interested to see how all these guys stack up athletically and who is posting some elite scores. Um, if the Titans are picking in the early third round, and I don't know if he falls this far, he probably doesn't. But Noah Sewell is on is I'm out of Oregon. Uh, if he falls that far, I'd be super heat, surprised. Heat seeking missile, man. Like yeah. I can't wait to see his his uh, the res stuff because I think he's going to test really well and that's probably going to move him into like the early second round. Jack um, Campbell's getting he I mean he is all these last two days have been filled with Jack it's it's up on my TV right now but he has he's been on my Twitter feed he has been on my in my mentions uh, I, fans is on my mentions Iowa linebacker yeah. he, you know he'll be testing today like today is one of the most exciting days from yeah. that I. I'm ready to watch. And, you know, there's stuff in the wide receivers and stuff, but like tight end and linebacker are two positions the Titans need to be focusing on in the, in the middle of the draft. And they are positions that can, if you get the relative athletic score and it matches the tape production, yeah, you're, you're find you some hidden gems. So here's a quick anecdote about Campbell too, by the way, um, had, didn't have to play in the bowl game because he had a, a little knee issue. Now that could also be a, a part of the medical evaluation process. He's going to go through this weekend. But he had the knee scope and got it like cleaned up so that he could play in the bowl game. And the point I'm the point I'm making here is talking to some Iowa people about him is that that there's like this this leadership camaraderie next level sort of thing with him with his teammates, and uh, that's a trait that I think Vrabel will love. 
in, in, in particular. Um, and I agree, like if they're going to let long walk and if he doesn't go to the market and get, doesn't like what he like, sees and he comes back and they can get him for cheap, maybe, but like without him, you, you got nothing else there. And you're asking a lot of Monty Rice in your, in, 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 you know, what he's doing from an injury standpoint, he, he played, he had some nice moments in the last month of the season, but you can't really go to bat with Monty Rice as your starting yeah. middle linebacker. I, I know what Will McDonald's going to do. He's probably going to blow the athletic testing out of the water. I'm really interested to see what Keon White does. And yeah. there's there's other guys like uh, Aid Aid, our guy Aid Aid uh, down there in, uh, from TCU. Uh, or is, yeah. I get always get TCU and Northwestern mixed up. Either way, Aid <laughs> uh, Aid. But there's other guys that are going to be going today um, that – you know, I'll be keeping up with, and I'm going to highlight some of those guys as yeah, Northwestern. I knew that was wrong. TCU. I'm getting Steve Avila. It's, it's, and well, no, they're all, they're all purple. It's fine. Yeah. It could have been. Kansas and then um, we're, you know, today, you know, I'll be updating the combined data sheet that I've created for paid subscribers of stacking the inbox. So I'll also use that to highlight maybe some pro comps and maybe looking at, you know, here are some guys that need to be on your radar in the later round. And I think that's what this is useful for is useful to take all this information. And I do not know why <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking up at the screen and they have set up Ian Rappaport in the middle of these two guys. And I don't know if he's stand. Oh, he just moved his chair up finally, okay. but he was like way down, <laughs> but he was, you're doing on, on screen production for NFL yeah, network like now. Way down. I was like, why is he down so far? I, I will say this. I agree that like the, the, the correlation between the RAS and the success at those two positions is probably very high. I would probably argue safety's up there too. But the other thing is the, the, the thing that matters, I think a lot at, at linebacker in at middle linebacker is something you cannot teach. And that is instincts and recognition. Like at middle linebacker to be truly great, you got to have all the physical stuff, but you got to be able to read and react as fast as possible. It is about processing. You you are in the box looking at probably eight players, right? You probably got three receivers split out. You've got eight players that are all going to move at the same time at the snap of the ball, and you have to read all eight of them at the same time. And that is that's what makes middle linebackers so much more about instinct, diagnosing, and then reacting all in a half a second. And that's, that's why you got to that, take this and put it with the film. The S and the S2 stuff. That's where the middle linebacker, yeah. I think, the S2 stuff will be interesting. Again, there's a bunch of linebackers. You can always get them normally, second, third round. You can find starters at that position, second, third round. You can find starters at tight end, second, third round. You can find starters at guard and center, second, third round. You can find running backs in the third and fourth round. Like, you can find a lot of talent in this draft. So, I don't – moving back, we'll see. Um, but I'm – I'm all in on the quarterbacks because I just, you know, I'm obsessed with the quarterbacks like everybody else. But let's get to Richardson here. Um, I, I think Anthony Richardson is the third best quarterback in the draft class. Mm -hmm. I think he has the most pure athletic talent of anybody in the draft class. And it is going to depend on if you think you can patiently wait to get him to his ceiling. If you can do that, then I think Richardson is on the same he's closer to Bryce Young and CJ Stroud than Will Levis will ever dream of being. Oh yeah. Uh well I, I agree. He's got the most of everything and it's gonna he's gonna test I, I, he's gonna run a four four nine mm -hmm. at two hundred and you know thirty nine pounds and we're gonna all be like oh my God. <laughs> and, yeah I'm not getting wrapped up into the quarterbacks at all in this combine no matter unless unless Will Levis just falls flat on his face and then I'll be there to you know chime in on that i'm sure you uh, but i i agree the titans are in a perfect position right with ryan Tannehill, you're in a perfect position to not have to play anthony richardson yeah, here's the that. thing about anthony richardson this rise that you're everybody's talking about oh this just is just rise is just too quick it's because the media is just now getting around to watching game film of anthony richardson and nf nfl media nfl media you know your 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 draft scouts, your draft analysts that are all filtering in. They're just now watching the film, and there's when you're in the middle of the college season, there's only so many players you can watch in the college season. There's only so much tape you can have, and Anthony Richardson's tape for the season he only has one, so he's oh, inexperienced. He's got. Th there were people in 2021 when he was a backup and getting lots of reps as a as they were putting him in as a backup. And he had like three 80-yard runs. 
yeah. as, a, as a backup well, in I mean, 2021. That's that's great if you're a running back. That doesn't mean anything. No, no, he was back. throwing. He was throwing the ball too. He yeah. was averaging like nine yards per per touch as a quarterback, throwing and running the football. Nine yards per touch as a backup, and people were in the college worlds. I'm telling you, were already saying future number one pick when he was a backup at Florida in 2021. I don't know what these NFL people do on Saturdays. What do they well, do they on only, Saturdays? They're they're working for the NFL. I mean, like the NFL. Sorry, college football, but if you work for the NFL, guess where you're doing? You're probably focusing on the fucking NFL. No, I know. Game. I'm just even fans though. Like, so I'm so quick. I'll, I'll well, they're watching me. their team. Like, unless you're I a know. Florida fan or you're the team playing Anthony Richardson, you, you only get highlights. And then there was the great highlights from Utah, and then you really didn't see a lot after that. Oh, they shoot Mike Vrabel just now. Yes. Uh, so I understand. The problem is that there's only. To to make a good assessment, you can't use your the 2021 tape. You have to use the no no game no no. Tape. What I'm what I'm no of course. And what I'm saying is is that people knew the talent was there even before he became a starter. Yes, the, like, the your like, college beatniks that don't matter in the in the context that we're talking about. <laughs> hurt my, you hurt they my feelings knew. here. Yeah, well they you guys knew, but we're not talking about you guys. We're talking about the guys that are talking now and putting up the rise on Anthony Richardson. And let me tell you this. This goes back to what I said on football under the efforts. I believe I've said it here before. The, the draft board does not change. Anthony Richardson was already high on the majority of team, NFL teams draft boards. Do you know why? Because he came out of college and declared for the draft, and he could have stayed in the draft, but except for he was given a folder with background from NFL teams that said, hey, you are ranked really, really high right now on everybody's draft boards. You have first round potential and first round grades. You could, you're probably top 10. That is what the NFL teams have already told Anthony Richardson. So this rise stems from the media's lack of paying attention during the regular season of the college football. Board. Oh, I a million percent agree. Again, I'm just, I, I am reiterating that point yeah. by saying, Anyone who watched him, even as a backup, knew this guy had top five potential. Like, it, so I agree if with you. I think watch scouts the Utah game. Boom! I knew that guy was something. I was like, yes, I the, am guy, the guy, the guy. You do not put a guy like again. He was a freshman coming in off the bench at six four two forty, running four fours. Like, it, it's just it. You don't need. It's not rocket science. <laughs> he's not raw. He's inexperienced. Like yes. that is how yes. I think that is. I think people are Malik Willis with multiple years of college experiences was a raw prospect anthony richardson is light years ahead of malik willis and he's just got a lack of experience that's that's how i would differentiate the two the the only thing and they're not going to learn this at the combine the only question i have with him is going to be because like he's better in the pocket with his footwork than malik is at at, even as a as a sophomore at florida light years ahead the question is going to be why was his open receiver miss rate as high as it kind of was and and some of that's that florida's offensive line was atrocious and the running game was not particularly great they didn't have a great balance uh, with him um, now kentucky fans are going to say look don't hate on levis because we didn't have a good offensive line either but i will levis is not the same talent as anthony richardson it's not it's not in the same ballpark for me so but watch but I, a 2021 film of will levis and you know that he's wasn't he wasn't good in 2021. This this he, 2021 Will Levis film. Where where is this? He was actor? better. He was better, better than 2020. Not yeah. good. So like, no, it, and and Liam Cohen was the coordinator at that point. Who was a Rams Sean McVay protege, and yeah. that's why he's back at Kentucky because he was it was the best offense that Kentucky's had in a, in a while. Right. But that's not that's not really setting the bar all that high because exactly. Kentucky's offense has not been that good at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with your basic point, which is that every one of these GMs knew about Anthony Richardson for like 18 months, like like yeah. 24 months ago is what I'm trying oh, to yeah. say. And, and I agree with you. completely. He would not have one. came out of the he would have stayed in college, collected some NIL money if he thought that his stock would be higher in 2024 than what it is yeah. right now. There are I, I'm willing to bet you there's probably like six to I don't know how many teams are going to be in the market. Let's, let's say for a quarterback, I would say. A quarter of them. We'll have him much lower, right? Let's. But I think three quarters of them, seventy-five percent of teams in the market for a quarterback, are going to be very high on Anthony Richardson. The question yeah. is going to be: Are they ahead of the Titans in the draft? Right. And are those teams there or not? Or is it like Indianapolis just misevaluating him and taking? And he's like way down their board because they're just dumb. So and he's already blowing the interviews away, which we knew he would. I mean, like he's he's, he's not just, he's a 
He's here's the thing though that he's people smart don't, guy. He, he is he's not a um rah rah ra guy though. Like he is a like I, I talked to him uh, and some of the people around him at media days. He is a he's a pretty calm, like pretty quiet, pretty chill, like lead by example. He doesn't like give speeches. Like he's not one of those kind of guys. Which of course remind, will remind Titans fans of another particular quarterback in town. But that that is his his style is to be sort of kind of chill and relaxed and quiet. He's not like the I'm going to give the speech in the huddle, you know, and get people fired up yet. So maybe that's something he needs to develop. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, either way, enjoy the combine. Uh, make sure you check out all the great coverage um, across the combine from all the great shows from 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. You got Stack in the Inbox. You got F- F- Football and Other F-Words. Uh, we'll be back on Monday uh, to react to all of this stuff and see what else happens in Indianapolis from here on out. There'll be some rumors at any point, the Titans could make a decision about their freaking quarterback. <laughs> at any at any point, that could happen. Uh, and we'll be ready to go with some content for you. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Kingston Group, the pharmacy, make sure you check out and support good local businesses. Uh, uh, buildkg.com is the website and the pharmacy, of course, over there on, um, on uh, McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. They also have a location downtown as well. So I'm going downtown this weekend. Uh, got no kids, got the wife and a couple friends. We're going to go watch... Uh, Go to the Ryman and catch a show. Um, so maybe we'll go swing by the pharmacy downtown. There you go. Before we go to the Ryman, check out the check out Dawes this weekend. Um, solid, solid. Not my favorite band in the world, but solid. Who? Uh, Daw- you don't know Dawes? You never heard of Dawes? Okay, hmm. all right. Are they country? No, 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 no. It's like uh, I don't know how you define them. Rock and roll? I don't know. I'm surprised you've never, when the tequila runs out, he's a, it's a pretty good band. Um, they're a pretty good band. Um, go check them out. D-A-W-E-S. Go check them out. Come say hi if you're downtown. Oh, there you go. At uh, F-Words Pod. You can follow him there. His name is Zach Lyons. <laughs> See, there you go. Stoney knows him. Uh, a little bit of everything is a phenomenal song. Go check that song out. Um, when My Time Comes, amazing. My daughters love it. All right, we're done. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great weekend. For Zach, I'm Braden. This is a football show. Yeah.